So let me ask you something. Do you think the smartest person always gets noticed at work or promoted? How about the hardest working, the most loyal? Well, according to my next guest, the answer is overwhelmingly no. He developed his 5% program and wrote the 5% zone after he saw colleagues continually miss out on plum assignments and get overlooked for promotions. This interview was so much fun. I met Stephen at Heroic Public Speaking, a two-day workshop in Lambertville, and he was just a hoot. He was working on his keynote. And not only does he have so many words of wisdom that can be applied to all of life, but he is hysterical. Enjoy. And as always, you know how much I appreciate you sharing, liking, supporting, and rating. Have fun. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life. And as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. I'm so excited. I love my guest, but I really love it when I've met them and had fun with them and bonded with them. How cool is that? So Stephen Krumpel, who is my next guest, I didn't even know all the things he did before I started reading his bio, and I spent two days with him at Heroic Public Speaking, shout out, in Lambertville, which we had a great time. And oh my God, he got, he was one of the few that got to get up on stage, which I hope he mentions to you, and he was a hoot. But before I bring Stephen on, let me just tell you a little bit about him. This is crazy how much this man has done. He is an international speaker best-selling author, facilitator, and business communication coach, now based in Nashville, Tennessee. He's worked with thousands of leaders in more than 30 countries. His career spans 25 years working with Fortune 200 companies, including as Chief Learning Officer, Starbucks, and VP of Yum University and Global Learning. He is an expert on helping leaders stand out and get noticed in their organization even in an increasingly virtual and global marketplace. Krempel is the author of five books, included his latest, which, oh my God, this is so needed. Not even forget the corporate world, just in life to stand out. His latest release, The 5% Zone, an international bestseller in six countries across multiple business categories. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you very much, Sandy. It's great to be in. Let's keep it real. <laughs> All right, before we dive into it, because I have so many questions about your move to Nashville, I always ask my guest one word that could best describe the past 30 days, whatever it is, what would that word be and why? Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the reason why is because it is an interest, the last 30 days have been an interesting experience from packing the home to moving drive we decided to drive take the drive down to Nashville from Seattle and that was nice because I got to see some 
interesting places like yeah. Yellowstone Park and uh, Mount Rushmore, which you wouldn't ordinarily do. And the 2,905 miles uh, I got back here in Nashville and uh, I'm now here. So it's been an interesting uh, journey. That's for sure, though. <laughs> I like interesting. That's, that's keeping it positive. All right. Tell them why you moved there. Why Nashville? Yeah, well, I have uh, three daughters and my eldest daughter is here and we have our two grandchildren here. So um, we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And so um, William and Francis. And so we thought, you know, at this stage, we want to work and also be close to family, though. Mm, mm. That's huge, isn't it? Huge. It, it is. I, I, I think people, you know, you, you don't you, you take it for granted for a while. And then as we all move uh, older in age, we become wiser, <laughs> I think. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And then uh, and then you decide what's important, though. Right. So and, and yeah. that's part of the reason. So I, I think that's a great move for me, though. I was just interviewing a long, young lady who lives over in Dubai, and she said her and her business, her husband formed this business and it was doing so well, they were kicking butt, but then they looked at each other after a year and a half and they realized, where's the kids? We haven't yep, communicated. Exactly. We haven't yep. talked. And is it worth it? And she's like, no. So she shut down some of her businesses and just fo focused on what she loved the most and was being profitable. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, sometimes, you know, they are lucky they got to do make that decision a year and a half into their business. Some people do it after 10 years. And they wonder where the time went uh, or the decade went. Yep, yep. And, and then they miss the kids growing up or whatever. And, uh, and then you can't take that back though, right? So. I know, I know. I remember I, I was pregnant with my son who's now 18. And Stephen, I was getting this great opportunity to do the syndicated show on TV, which was like, oh my God, my dream come true. Yep. And my mentor, shout out to Pat Croce, who, you know, he definitely worked, 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 worked. And he says he's appreciating his grandkids more now. But he looked at me, he goes, Sandy, you're going to regret it. Your son's going to be born and this is going to take up so much time. You're going to be, he's 10 and where did the time go? And I thought, oh, no, 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 I can't pass up this opportunity. But then I did. And boy, am I so happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about an 18 year old, I have a 33 year old, a 30 and a 23. And I still wonder where the time went. Though They're all, uh, you know, they suddenly all grown up though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's tell them how we met. First of all, why and how did you create that awesome, hysterical keynote? I mean, from looking at what you do, you would think, oh, this is a pretty serious guy. And then you got up on stage and we were peeing ourselves. Yeah, well, it's uh, that's one of the reason I went to HBS, right? So, you know, it, we all have little doubts. I, you know, for me, I've always been a trainer and a facilitator all my life. And I wanted to make the transition uh, this year, actually end of last year, to become a keynote speaker. Now, I've participated at NSA or National Speakers Association and stuff like that, but I never saw myself as a keynoter, right? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But then, you know, I looked at all my skill sets. I'm going, you know, I know what these keynote people are doing, but I need to go for some training, right? And that's why we ended up at HBS. Ah. And, 
And, uh, and um, so going there, I thought I need to get on stage and try and get some feedback on how I come across if I was going to do a keynote, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already had all the stories. So the, the two minutes that drill that we had, or I, I think it was a minute. I don't even yeah. know whether it was two minutes. Yeah. But that was just a drill, a story that I told uh, previously. I even have it in the book. And so, but to put it live on stage is a totally different when you have a live audience, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and that's what I was trying to do. And, and I think, uh, you know, I uh, was given some feedback and, you know, how to ham it up a little bit. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I tried uh, my best. <laughs> you were, you were like what they call surprise and delight. It was like, wait, where did that come from? From Yep. All right. So have you always been funny? Have I always been funny? So this is the, that, that's the funny thing, though. Right, people say I'm funny. I don't think I'm funny though. What I do is I try to leverage a situation or I play off what other people are doing. Okay. And they think I'm funny, but I'm I'm really not though, right? No, fact, I noticed that, like you're not telling jokes, you're just trying to lighten up the situation. Yeah, I mean exactly, right? I'm lighting up the situation. And I think the thing that cracked all of you guys up was Two things that I never added in the uh, my original story, and I just made it up on the spot, though. Uh, and and I think the one phrase was, "I love pointing out people's mistakes." Uh, you know, people laugh, and then that wink and the you know the thumbs up that you know when I moved to the stage right or something. Yeah. I made that up as well. So, but it was playing to the audience, right? So yeah. it's nothing like a live audience, though. I know, isn't it true? I mean, virtual's okay, and we have yep. to deal with it. But oh my, you're right. That little wig it it makes a huge difference because you're you're totally like you forget people sometimes go through the whole speech, but they're kind of just staring at one person and they're yep. like, hey, wait a minute, we want to feel yep. a part of it, and you made us feel a part of it, which is great. Yep, that was yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Okay. So I got so many questions for you before you come uh, on. I send out to my listeners and peeps your profile. Yep. And boy, did they have a bunch for you. And some of them okay. were repetitive. So you ready for the first? We're going to hit the first one. Sure. Was it extremely stressful working for these big companies like Starbucks? How did you handle your stress? And this is, we, we have fake names, so we'll call them Johnny B. Yep. So Johnny B, uh, stress. No, I never have stress. I'm totally <laughs> in control 100% all the time. Though. Yeah. As you can tell, I'm very authentic. I speak like this all the time <laughs> to my troops. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, no, stress is an interesting thing. I think everybody deals with it differently. Um, for me, is at the moment, I can control it, but I need to decompress at some point. Though. Now, being an introvert, my decompression is <laughs> being by myself. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah, and and just letting letting your hair loose, so to speak, by yourself, though, right? I'm not one of those who goes, "All right, let's let's see you at the bar." Okay, let's have a couple more. <laughs> I could, and I did, you know, and I do. Yeah, but that's not the best way that I decompress. That puts yeah, more I pressure understand. on me, right? The other thing about you know handling stress in large organizations, if you gotta understand the rules of the game. So now that sound may sound a little cliche-ish, but if you understand what your boss and actually more importantly your boss's boss, right, what they want or what they are looking for, 
then you can kind of de-stress. And by that, I mean that my boss's boss in, in Starbucks was a guy who's really detailed, right? He loved big picture, but yeah. immediately after you gave him the picture, he says, okay, where are all the details? So it will yeah. stress you hell, the hell out if you went in and gave the big picture and he's asking you for the details and you don't have the details, right? Yeah. So yeah. my opening line was always something like this, right? Uh, let's call him John for the sake of uh, yeah. uh, protecting. Yeah. Hey, John, I have run great ideas and all the details are in the appendix. Stuff. Once he hears details are in the appendix, you know, he goes, oh, okay, great, Crample. Uh, let's carry on. Though. <laughs> but if you don't say that the details are in the appendix, he'll start questioning, you know, every other second sentence you say, oh, but do you have this? You know, but do you have that? But you, and, and that irritates the hell and puts a lot more stress on yourself. So you have to understand the rules of the game, meaning you have to know what yeah. the leaders want from their standpoint, not what you want to give them, though, right? Ooh, that's a good... And you know what? You say it's cliche, but so many people don't do that. No, they're they like, don't. well, if I was the boss, I would do it this way. But yeah. you're not. But and you're, you're not, not them. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and it's so funny because... I used to have, can I tell you another story? Sandy? Oh my God, you can tell me 17,000. I love your story. Okay, right. So I used to, well, let's say at Starbucks, right? I used to do my quarterly update to three executives. We'll, we'll protect an innocent, right? So yeah. you, but the first one likes the details. You know that. The second one, okay, that we had likes bottom line. He only cares about the bottom line. And then the third one only cares about, you know, can we take the company to the next level, correct? But your but your 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 update is the same update. You have the same deck though, right? The same yeah. ten slides. But guess what? The opening line to these three people are totally different. So the first one I go, like I told you, I said, Hey John, you know, I have great ideas, but you know, all the points, uh, all the points are in the de uh, details are in the appendix. And he loves that and he'll let you carry on. The other one I go, hey Joe. You know, I have a couple of uh, updates for you, and all of this will go down to the bottom line. When he hears bottom line, he goes, ah, this guy's speaking my language, though, right? And yeah. then when you go to the, 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 the third one, you go, hey, Bob, I have a couple of ideas, and this will take our company to the next level. And he's going, yeah, let's go, right? So you have to at least engage the audience by what they want to hear first, even though it's the same 10 slide deck that I have <laughs> for the three people. Though. I mean, it's, it's it, yeah, I don't want to say it's ridiculous, but, it, but you have to be perceptive enough to do that, though, right? Yeah. No, Although, it's so true. You got to know your audience, man. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you're going to three stressful meetings um, playing on what the person is talking about because... You just not satisfying what they're looking for. You're just presenting what you want to present. And that's, uh, for me, that's a no no. So. Yeah. You know, and I, I want to dive into this next one because this young lady, she uh, had read my book and she knows that I put in it here's the sports medicine angle, here's yep. for you spiritual people, the guru angle, the yep. nutrition, whatever, except. And I've always said it's the same message, but it just depends on the angle yeah. you're coming from. Yeah. If they're more spiritual, the analytical, whatever. Yeah. Is in your book, is that part of what you address as far as the 5% zone? She wants to know. Yeah, I, I, my angle in that book is I'm, I'm being a realist, right? And by being a realist means 
that I give them the common situations that everybody faces every day in the company though. I'm not approaching it from a theoretical standpoint or I, you know, I give a model or two, but immediately I go down there and here's how it works at your next meeting though, right? We talk Love about, it. Yeah. Love it. We, we talk uh, in the book, I, I kind of reference. I said there are only five situations that your senior managers hear or see you, right? The one-on-one, the second one is the team meeting, is either the small team meeting or the, you know, all hands or the town halls, right? The conference call, nowadays virtual calls, the business presentation, or the company social. They don't know if you came in at 7 a.m. in the morning and they don't care if you left at 9.30 p.m. that night, though. Yeah. When your name comes up, Sandy Weston, wasn't she the one that asked that great question in the town hall? Yeah, we like her. She's great. <laughs> That's all they remember. You, they don't know. You may be doing great work and you may be slogging it out. They see you and hear you in those five situations. Though. So that you know? puts a little twist, though, right? Because yeah. people are trying to work hard and my work will speak for itself. That's what they tell themselves. <laughs> I know. I wrote that down in big print. Does the smartest person always get noticed or promoted? And you have yeah. a big fat no, baby. Yep. And does the hardest working person get noticed or promoted? No. And does the most loyal person get noticed or promoted? No. Okay. And then oh, you ask just, the question. You're making my heart sad. You're making it sad. Right? And, and, and then you go, and then you ask the real question, and which, which I usually do when I do some of my programs and stuff is, so then what gets a person noticed or promoted in your organization? And then people go, oh my God. Right? And then, then they start, and then they realize it's not their work. Now, work is important, right? I don't, we both know that. Yes. The results yes. is important. Being knowledgeable is important. You know, but that doesn't set you apart from everybody else to get that coveted position because there may be four or five people vying for that one position. Who do they give it to? Though? The person that's a little bit more visible, right? And yeah. the one who is able to speak up for themselves and, and do things that others may not be prepared to do, though. You know, I didn't even think about this, but people would always say to me, how did you get that? How did you get that? And I'm not putting myself down. I'm not yeah. like the smartest kid in the room, but I put myself out there. I was willing to ask questions that might look uh, silly or maybe people thought were ridiculous. And I kept just thinking it's like throwing darts. If I put it, eventually one's going to hit. Yeah. No, it is. And I... Can I tell you another story? Oh here, my, Sandy? please, please. Okay, so for so there was one one particular event that really kind of I wouldn't say catapulted my career, but it, it it made me a regional player into a global player, right? And and imagine this: there are a hundred people in a room. It was a it was a global conference at the time, and my boss's boss, right? was presenting a new company rollout of, uh, of an, a new initiative, right? You know how that goes. They're presenting this stuff. And I'm sitting there in the audience. I'm going, this ain't going to work in our region, though, right? Mm. Yeah. So now what do you do, though? Do you pretend like everybody else and smile and go, great job, Dave, and then go out and complain at the tea break, right? Yeah, in the yeah, hallway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right? We all know that. Of course, none of your listeners would ever do that. But no. it, 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 you know what I mean? Or now I'm going, I go, 
okay, here's an opportunity, right? I checked out of the meeting and I was trying to find a solution for this little quirk that I noticed though. So, and then when, when I did it, it took me about 10 or 12 minutes. I, I, I distinctly remember I got the, the, the solution and my hand shot up in the middle of this meeting. So can you imagine though, your boss's boss is talking and this idiot is putting his hand up in the middle of the hall of your 99 other people from around the world though, right? And the guy, and, and, and Dave goes, uh, yes, Krempel, you have something to say? Oh, you're right. And then you go and all eyes on you, right? But notice what I said. I said, Dave, I have something that will make your program even better. Ah, see, perfect. I didn't, yeah, I didn't say, well, Dave, that won't work in our region. Though, that, you know, so I think you guys in corporate need to rethink this. No, that's not the way. They're not going to listen to you if you approach it in a negative form, though. And that's one of the things we make a big point about is anything that can be said negatively can be reworded either neutrally or positively, though. And so I chose that, right? So then he said, then, no, then after I said that, I said, can I come up and show you, though? He said, yeah, come on up. So I went up to the flip chart and I'm drawing this little acronym out and writing the way I said, if you do it this way, it'll work a lot better. He turns to the crowd, right? And he goes, do you think this is going to work? Now, this is high price. Talk about pressure here. Oh and, my yeah, goodness. Right? And everybody kind of nods their head and say, yeah, that's uh, much better, right? And I'm going, Phew. I went back, sat down, didn't have to participate anymore for the rest of the two days because I'd done my piece already, right? <laughs> But at the end of the meeting, he comes to me and says, Hey, Krempel, uh, I want you to present this same idea to my peers in Japan. We're having a meeting in Japan. Hey, who doesn't want to go to Japan? You know, <laughs> I I'll go do. There for, yeah, all right. I'll go there for two days. I'll present to them for 15 minutes and they'll be great though, right? I did that and four months later, they posted me to Dallas to head the international uh, uh, learning for uh, young brands at the time. So... But it requires you to kind of step up and, and kind of say things in a more positive way, even though it's not positive, though, right? You want to be seen yeah, as somebody but, that adds value, though. But you not only did you, it was brilliant, because not only did you say something positive, but you went out and figured out a solution. Exactly. Right. You didn't just say, hey, that's not going to work and let yeah. me figure it out. You, you yeah. thought, I better have the answer first. Exactly. And that's very important. And, and that's why sometimes, you know, we, we do this thing about uh, in, in our program. In fact, I just did it last night uh, where we teach people about questions, right? People go, why is he teaching us about questions, right? Everybody knows how to ask questions. Uh, maybe, maybe not, though. Yeah. Because I can tell you the number of times I've been in a succession planning meeting and the name comes up, right? And then let's use your name, Sandy. We go... Sandy Weston, and the leader immediately goes, was she the one that asked that question down in Dallas when I was there? So you better either have had a good or a, a positive <laughs> or negative question because they remember both though. Really? And especially yeah. the negative one. They go, wasn't she the one that asked that nasty question in Dallas? <laughs> and then you're dead though. How are you going to prove? You can't even move forward with saying, well, I think we need to promote uh, Sandy. No, you're not even going to say that. Yeah. Uh, next person, please. Okay, next. Let's, uh, you're dead. So why be negative? Many people get caught and they think, well, Stephen, if it's, if it's tough and a, a direct message, I'm going to tell it like it is. Yeah, I hear that all the time. 
Maybe, maybe not though. You can tell it like it is, but I, I say in a little more neutral way, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And first of all, people shot down. I mean, they're, they're, they're shutting off as soon as you start insulting yeah. them. Then they go, oh, here he goes again. Yeah. And then they shut off though, right? Yeah. Yeah, they all know. And 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 the 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 funniest thing is, you've been incorporating, you know, right? Immediately yeah. when that that person inverted commas puts their hands up, people go, "Oh my God, here he goes again." Now they're not Absolutely. saying that. Absolutely, there's they're always not, one. Yeah. yeah, everybody's rolling their eyes, right? But nobody tells that person that that's happening, though. See, that's yeah. the biggest thing, though. Nobody tells them. And, and, and guess what? Everybody after that, depending on which organization you are, everybody plays corporate nice. Hey, great question, Stephen. Uh, actually, they all roll their eyes for the last five minutes, though, right? <laughs> so that's interesting sometimes. You know, I want to bring in this question from, uh, we'll call him uh, Billy Bob. Yes, Billy, Billy Bob. Billy Bob said every time he asks a question. Yep. He feels as if his boss puts him down, even though I've spin it in the most positive way. Okay. It's almost like he feels like I'm threatening him. I yep. don't know what to do. So, ladies at Billy Bob, let me tell you a few things here, Sonny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give a little teach piece, but this is really important. There are actually four intentions of asking a question, though. Now, if okay. your leaders get this, Billy Bob will get it, and then that might be. I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell him one of the, which ones I would suggest to him, to you know, allevi- alleviate the the boss's concerns. Right. The okay. First, the first intention is I ask a question, and you want the person in front of the room or the leader to answer the question. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. The second one is I ask a question, but I want to answer the question. That's an interesting one. People don't get that. Uh, so, I yeah. So you take it like this, right? So let's say you are the leader and I say, Sandy, you know, we seem to have a particular problem in our little manufacturing plant here in Nashville, Tennessee. So what do you think you're going to do about it? though? And then you as a leader sometimes go, well, Stephen, you're from Nashville, Tennessee. What do you think? though? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't go, well, no, I asked you, Sandy, right? <laughs> I'm now ready with the answer. I go, Sandy, we should be doing these three things. Boom. One, two, three. And then, and you, and she, and you probably think, wow, this guy's pretty sharp though, right? So you ask a question, hoping the leader throws it back to you. Gotcha. So that you can answer. And so you look good though. The third one is my favorite though. Okay. Oh. So this one is you ask a question to make somebody look good though. So let's say you were in charge of project X. Correct. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is I put my hand up and says, you know, uh, let's say Billy, uh, Billy Bob is now the leader, right? Billy Bob, yeah. Project X has been such a success in our organization. Now you are smiling because you're the head of Project X, though. But I'm asking the question, right? How can we take the learnings from Project X and spread it throughout our entire organization? And if Billy Bob yeah. answers, and then Billy Bob answers, well, I've heard so many good things about Project X. Your head would probably expand and you'll faint because you can't even carry the weight of your head, though, right? But, and I have just made you look good in front of the leader. So to Billy Bob, maybe one strategy is the next question you ask, make sure it makes your boss look good first, though, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. he or she is doing something 
ask the question, make them look good, and then the next time they don't care because you you got a green egg, what we call you scored a point or you got a green egg, right? And the yeah. last one is, of course, you just make the leader look good, which is that's the easiest one. But even that simple thing, most people don't realize. They go, "Well, I'm going to ask a question." Yeah, but what type of question are you going to ask? No, are you, you making just ask somebody what's on your mind? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 you think it and it comes straight out in your mouth, and it's usually negative, though. So you know, Sally wants to know. This is leading us into this. Do you think? Asking questions is different virtually. No, exactly. Very similar, though. So again, it depends on the company. Some companies have, you know, what they call systems where you type in the questions and it, you know, it's uh, anonymous, right? It goes up and stuff like that. Or if you are virtual and you can see people on the video, then it's no different. You raise your hand, right, and you ask a question. So that's very similar. Or sometimes you type the question into the chat or something, and somebody's reading out your question. Um, so it's very similar. You just have to ask them, but don't ask them negatively, though. See, are you so? Yeah. So one of the things we we I test first asking people is that are you asking a question or are you being questioning? That's very mm. different, though. Mm. Most people think they're asking a question. What they are is being questioning. Most leaders that I've spoken to, right, like questions. They hate being questioned. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. And I remember,、um, even in my company, when when one of the managers would show up for one of the branches, I'd say, "Holy mother of God!" Like, because I knew <laughs> what they were going to do. <laughs> question me. <laughs> question the <Yeah> . authority. <laughs> Yeah, well, everything you do, and they sometimes some people they feel like they have a right to question everything, though. Yes.、Right? Yes. Now it's it doesn't mean you don't have the right, but it's the the, the point is how do you ask the questioning question in a true question? Don't don't you know? Don't disguise your distaste for whatever somebody is doing in a question, though. Right. Yeah. And that's what、yeah. people do, and it's irritating as hell, though, because sometimes that's the only way they know how to ask the question. Yeah, and I used to say that to my business partner. He'd say, "Why do you even keep him?" I go, "You know what? Yeah. Did you ever hear? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He didn't、yeah. ask questions right, but he had a lot of great ideas in there.、No. I had it, but it took me forever to sift through. But I was thinking, does he really think?" His yeah, boss、exactly. would want to hang out with him more. No way, <laughs> you know. No, I I was doing a shoot for a online program once, and the and the director of the shoot after you know the next day we had breakfast, and he said, you know, Stephen, after I'm listening to you, I now know why senior management fired those two engineer,、uh, the software engineers. They were the best ones, but. They were the most negative ones, always in the meeting, and when we had、yeah. a downturn, they were the first two to get canned, though, right?、Yeah. Why would you? It's so it's you know sometimes it's so obvious, but sometimes it's not obvious to people. Hopefully, you're making it lo- obvious to people in the "Let's Keep It Real" program here, <laughs> Sandy. I love your voices. All right, I think we need to dive a little bit into the five percent zone. No I problem. I want more of that. Like, what is that five percent zone? So, do I go into my authoritative voice again? <laughs> you know, now、simple. your Mickey Mouse voice will do. Yeah, yeah. yeah.、Uh, the five percent zone is very simply described as the time that you are with people in your organizations at least two levels above you. 
how you act in your 95% that is defined as working with your peers and your subordinates is very different than how you act in your 5%. And most people have a hard time with that, but if they get this concept called the 5% zone, how you act in those, mm. that 5%, then half their problems go away though. Because you can't have a discussion with your team and say, hey guys, how do we solve the problem, right? Let's solve the problem, we've got big customer problems there. And then after you found the solution, you don't go to your bosses or your boss's boss or hire and say, you know, uh, Jim or uh, Sally, we have a lot of problems. No, no, no. You know, Jim, we have some issues here that with a few tweaks, we can really solve it. That's how you talk to your 5%. In your 95%, you go, hey guys, we need some, we need to solve these problems, right? Yeah, yeah, but most yeah. people use the same language at their 95 they're five. Their bosses know there's a problem, but they don't want to hear it though. They want to hear your solutions. Though. But most people don't know how to make that switch. So the entire book is really centered around those five situations I talked about, right? Yeah. yeah. The one-on-one, team meeting, presentation, your social. And how do you articulate the, your communication in the 5% zone? I love that. I don't think anybody's ever written about this. I don't think so either. It, it's definitely a <laughs> twist. Uh, this, uh, this, this Stephen Kremple guy that wrote that book, but you know, yeah, I, I, I think, I I think it's visionary. <laughs> extremely, extremely. No, I really do. I love it because there are things I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't think of it. So, backing up to, I almost forgot, and I want to make sure I get in. Um, let's call him Craig's question. Yes. Is the 5% zone, is that the same way you would go into pitching? Like, for example, you know, a lot of these people that are listeners are solopreneurs and they're pitching, you know, the leaders of these big corporations. You could. Yeah. So how you talk to your staff or your vendors or your thing is very different than how you pitch. So take, for example, though. Even at a pitch, it might be slightly different. If you're pitching to the person who brought you into the company, let's say as an example, right? It's probably different than how you pitch to their boss who's making the decision though. Ah. You get it, right? So yes. if you're pitching, if you're trying to convince somebody, you know, we really have the solution for you and you have an hour meeting with that person and that person goes, wow, that's really great. I need you to talk to my boss. To make that so now you're pitching but your pitch is only 10 minutes though your discussion with that person was probably half an hour one hour two hours yeah maybe yeah, the, even like multiple the hr visits. person right yeah the, that happens gotta, a lot you talk to the hr person eh, let me see yeah i think that workshop will work boom you got to go to the boss to, you got to talk to the boss though because you got to convince the boss in fact before this call i just got off a call with somebody in south africa right so here they the, the, the say steven we need to do help you do but we will I want you to, to talk to the people in the, uh, you know, the hires up. Uh, you know, I, I like your idea, but I can't do it. You, you have to do it, right? Yeah. And you only have, you know, they'll give you maximum 15 minutes. Though. Your 15 minute pitch is very different than your half an hour pitch. And your half an hour pitch is very different than your one hour pitch. And it's, it's different. So you need to know how to step it up. And again, as we talked about earlier, Give the audience what they want to listen to them. Yeah. I'll share one more story because this is a good one, right? Oh. Can I share please, one more story? Please, please. Don't, don't just share them. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in, uh, I had a six months discussion with the HR people on 
what the CEO wants for this new potential project we're working on. I'm working on this for six months though, right? Multiple meetings, back and forth, blah, 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 blah. All right, now we are in this meeting. We finally get the date to meet the CEO. The CEO's, if you picture, uh, you know, a conference room, he's sitting at the head uh, of the table, the two HR people on his left, and myself and my colleagues on the right-hand side. And so I'm merrily going through my PowerPoint deck and pitching him, right? Going, bah, 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 bah. And then I'm noting his face. He is a straight face with nothing, no email. He's not even reacting to my my, my pitch. No, I'm going, I turn to him and says, you know, uh, Jim, I don't think this is meaning what you're looking for. Can you tell me what you're looking for? He turned to me and started talking for the next five minutes, no, right? Well, what I really want is this and that and that. I'm going, yeah. No, this is not going to solve it, right? And then he was smiling and he's talking about this and then I was adding stuff on. And you know what the HR people said? That's the first time they ever seen him smile in a meeting. I said, of course, because I'm asking him what he wants, not what you interpreted, <laughs> not what you interpreted for the last six months and interpreted wrongly. And then you made me look like an idiot pitching something that he didn't even want, though. Oh, so, my gosh. But it is. It's so... For me, in a 5% zone, I'm very heightened and I pay a lot of attention. So the yeah. HR meeting for one hour, you, you don't have to be that heightened. But when yeah. you're pitching high up, you really got to pay attention to how they're reacting to you. I'm so glad you said this because I was just on a call yesterday with two people that I'm working on this kids project with and they're big producers in California. And we talked almost every Monday, right? So I know them, yep. you know, we've been yep. working on it. We, uh, the pitch is done. They're in it. They've signed the guy. Well, without telling me, they bring on the big CEO of a potential yep. sponsor to meet me. Yep. Now I'm good on the fly, Stephen, but I would yep. have liked to know. So I could have researched yeah. their company and known about this brand before the big CEO came on for 15 minutes. Oh my God. Right? Am I, and yeah. I said to him afterwards, you, they're like, but you're so, you know, authentic. I'm like, that doesn't no, mean anything. Nothing, you know, so, yeah, so this is the thing I tell people, right? Especially when they come. Preparation is key. Though. When you look at somebody, right? Let's say Sandy Weston, and you go, wow, she's so smooth. Well, she's practiced like hell, though. Yeah. But they don't see that, though. Yeah. So they think, well, she's a natural. No, we are naturally practiced and we prepare, though. Right? Yeah. It, yeah. Like, that's and, the thing. I, I, I'm so glad you said this because I was thinking they were making me feel like, oh, Sandy, you should be a professional. Yeah, I want to do my research. <laughs> exactly. It, one or two, three, four keywords dropped in the right time changes the whole thing, right? But if you don't even have the right words to drop in, then you can't, then you keep everything generic and then you're just like everybody else. Yeah. And you know what I did? And I don't know if it made him, I I said to him, I apologize. Um, I didn't know you were going to be on the call. I would have done more research. Tell me what you're looking for. And I, I tried not to offend, but I thought I had to be up front. Yeah. Because otherwise they'll think, man, she really doesn't care about us. Yeah. She doesn't even know what we do though. Right. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I know. All right, listen, let's get into it because I, I can tell from speaking with you and, of course, meeting you for two days, you have the right mindset for this. So one of your big points is what type of mindset would someone need to even believe they want to do this? 
Yep. I, I need to know that. Okay. So the the mindset that you have, well, well there, there's several things, but let's hone it down to one thing, right? Several years, <laughs> several decades ago, Jim Collins wrote the book Good to Great, right? You remember the book? Yes, uh, of Best course. time. Okay. So everybody knows he's talking about companies and how good companies became great companies. And, you know, they had to make a decision that they wanted to be great. One of the key things was they had to make a decision because if you're profitable, most people don't want to change though. So the mindset first that people need to do is ask, answer this question. Do you just want to be good or do you want to be great though? And that's the difference because if you're already good and you're making money, then people yeah. go, yeah, I don't need to do that. Yeah, you're no. right. But the great ones always keep improving themselves. They're tweaking and they're improving. The only reason I even went to HPS was I was trying to see if I could learn one or two things from two great people, right? And learn yes. from the other people there. Do I really need to go there? Probably not. Do I want to improve to be great? Yes, I do. And that's why I go there. Oh, that's why we met. All right. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yep. So and you know what? Yeah. It was amazing because you were, you were telling us that there, you know, that I don't even think, did you decide way ahead of time or was it a last minute thing? It was a last minute though, because yeah. I was going, I think they announced yeah, that that's they what were I remember. meeting in life. Yeah. Yeah. So now... Most for most people, they won't. They, I I don't think the mindset is to take the extra effort. Now, now we go back to the five percent though. Are you going to take the extra effort in those five percent situations versus just a normal ninety-five? I don't care about your ninety-five percent situation, but are you going to take additional effort and be great in those five percent opportunities? Ooh. Because they are few. They're few and far between though. Yeah, that's and, a good and point. So, yeah, and, and so that's one of the mind, mindsets that you really, really got to kind of have as your base in order to do that. So if you are not interested in, you know, being great in your five percent opportunities, then just be who you are, right? <laughs> You'll be fine. I'm sure. I'm sure you're good, right? Or whomever else is good. So you know what? A, I I I don't want to say her name, but. I definitely, I hope she knows about your book because there was one young lady that I stayed friends with in the group and she wasn't there for keynote speaking engagements or teach workshops. She wanted to be able to speak up during meetings yeah. and she yeah. and raised her hand and she felt, she was telling me this, that it really held her back. Now she, she went far, but she believes, and I believe she could have went much further if she raised her hand and asked questions. Yeah, and, and the thing that stops people or get people stuck is this thing, you know, many people refer to them different things, but we call it in our, in, in our vernacular is, a, is your little voice, right? Is that mm -hmm. critter that tells you, well, I don't think you better do that because yeah. you don't really have a good idea, right? Or yeah. you're not as good as everybody else here. They all have PhDs and you really don't have a PhD. Whatever you tell yourself and then you back out of the good original intent that you wanted to do. And that kills a lot of people, especially in corporate. Though. I know. Because you're always worried about what other people are going to say, right? Maybe you don't have a great question, so you, you'll look stupid. Okay, Psh! so they don't <laughs> ask the question, right? So they're afraid of some, as opposed to going... This, I, I, I only get two opportunities a year. This is my 5%. I'm going to ask the question. And guess what? I pre-prepared my question so I know I have a good question. Ooh, 
Ooh. Right? Yeah, Michael Port would be very happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Though. Remember he was uh, talking about that? Yeah, so um, that's definitely one of the things. So the mindset is that uh, we'll keep it as simple as that. I'm sure there are other things that people need to, to think about, but if they can just get through those two things, then yeah, that's it's huge. a big deal. Though. Yeah, okay. What is GEM? G-E-M. So um, the global executive mindset is the original name we call the um, seventh facet. So GEM is a GEM model that we tell people how to stand out. And I can kind of walk you through some of the, we have seven elements in there, or we call them seven facets. Okay. <laughs> the GEM as in the cut the diamond. So first oh, one gotcha. is how you connect personally with people, right? Uh, second is how you articulate your points of view clearly. Uh, the third one is how you communicate confidently. Uh, the fourth is how do you build trust. Uh, the fifth is providing direct feedback positively. Uh, sixth is taking ownership. And then seven is just coaching and recognizing. So it's, it's a model we use and we teach to that. And people figure out that if they're good at all these elements, it's nothing to do with how smart, how hardworking or how loyal or, you know, how good they are. So it's all the other elements that round you up as a professional. You know, I feel as if the way you broke it down, yep. it's user-friendly. Like it doesn't seem overwhelming. No, yeah, and, and we keep stuff to even within each group, right? So let's take, for example, connects personally. We only essentially teach people two things, though. One is how to do an introduction, which is a three-line introduction, not a normal two-line introduction. And then we teach them how to talk to anybody about anything, though. Yeah. You, yeah. Using a formula. So most people want that because that's what they're not good at. And most senior leaders are good at that because they can talk to anybody about anything. Right. So if you can you know, help people in that way, then they feel a little bit more confident about you know, mo mosing up to somebody and, you know, they haven't met before and just having a conversation, though. especially if it's a boss's 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 boss or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 and then they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to talk about? Right. So or, or or the worst thing, then they start talking about work and everybody talks about work. Right. Oh, my God. You must be a who. Hey, listen, what are you yeah. up to for the next year? What are you going to be doing? Are you traveling? Is it mostly virtual? Babysitting have, the grandkids? What are you going to be doing? Yeah, I still have my virtual programs running on. Uh, the countries that I normally go to are still deciding whether they're opening up or locking back down. Though. So <laughs> until that go all settles out. Um, but I am, uh, as we talked about you know, with our good HBS program, I am focusing on my keynote uh, um, business and going to make a, a killer keynote somewhere along the line with a lot of these stories and uh, a, a lot of learning for people. That's, that's my aim. I want, I want to have a TEDx killer keynote top 100. Yeah, I'm totally making this up, Sandy. But, no, but you're but, going to. You're going to. Yeah, I'm going to. It, it's... I got to find the right pieces. I have many of the pieces. They're floating yeah. around. But yeah. now it's my consolidation phase, right? Yeah. You know, I'm in the grad program now. I signed up this yeah, summer you, month. Did you, yeah. you did? Yeah, I did. Are you in it now? Are you in I'm it now? I'm in it, baby. I, as of the wow, end of I, August. 
I'm doing it um, the next round or so. I know. I'm so sad, but Roger's in my group, so that's cool. Okay. Yeah. You need yeah. to. Do, we need to talk about it uh, offline about stuff that I can start pre-preparing for the preparation. Absolutely, <laughs> we will definitely do that. It's this is it's the meeting before the meeting, right? Yeah, it's yeah. fun and challenging, which is good. Okay. I'm not bored. I hate being bored. All right, listen, yeah. we gotta wrap yep. up here and do rapid sure. fire. I could talk to you forever. First of all, so many pearls of wisdom, and you're a hoot. And that's what the, I, I just wrote down, someone said, and it was for kids, eight to 12. And I thought, well, that's what I do for life. They're like, what's your mission? Like when you're coming into a school, I go, I want to spread joy with laughter, movement, and words. And I thought, you know wow. what? It's, it's not that much different from adults. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, in fact, sometimes organizations are adult kindergarten, right? You, you know that. Right? You heard that yeah, one before, yeah, right? It's yeah. total. Yeah. But no, great. You, you're doing great work, uh, Sandy. And even running this uh, podcast, it's it helped. I'm sure it's helping a lot of people, right? And and, and that's why they keep coming back. Yeah. We and this has been so fun. But all right, let's get in rapid fire questions. You ready? Yep. Favorite color? Blue. Blue. Favorite food? Favorite food. Wow, this is food. <laughs> no. Creme brulee. <Okay. laughs> yeah, creme brulee. Yeah, that's right. I have sweet tooth and I love savory as well. So it's, I love all foods. Okay. What is a book besides yours that you could recommend that you've been reading in the last year? Hook Point. Hook? What is that about? Hook Point. Yeah, it's, uh, no, no, you asked me and I'm going to blank out on the, uh, uh, the, uh, the author, but hook points about giving messages that people want to listen to or read beyond the title, right? Ooh. So you, you put a hook point, it's just like a, a, a hook on, you know, the headlines, right? Yeah. They read the headlines, they want to read the article. They read the headlines, they want to read the, the, the rest of the, uh, the, the uh, column, right? So, oh, I like that. Point. Okay, I like that. All right, what do you like to do in your free time? What are some hobbies you have? Other than writing more books, uh, <laughs> I actually like to putter around in the garden, though. Really? Yeah. Veggies or flowers? Uh, more flowers. And this, well, not even flower, just greenery to keep stuff looking nice, right? Yeah. I, I have tons of gardens. I love flowers and I love veggies. Oh, great. I spend a lot of free time. It relaxes me. It, it slows me down, Stephen. Slows me down. I love it. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, sorry. And Hook Point was by Brendan Kane, if people okay. are interested. Brendan, yeah. Oh, I'm definitely looking this up. Okay. What would you do from morning to night? If you could do anything, what would one of your favorite days look like? Actually, favorite days, other than, you know, in the morning coming and playing, getting the, the grandkids to uh, school, I actually would love to do what we are doing now and or just training people to getting them to realize what they're not doing and getting ahead in their organizations. So, because on one hand, it seems so simple from my perspective because I've been there. All, yeah. But for many people, it seems to be a big block, right? So just helping people see the light, the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, when you love it, it, it is really like a, a hobby. It's stuff you like doing in your free time. You're like, wait a minute, but I love doing this. Yeah, exactly. And you can't see this, and I'm shining the the uh, you know the light on it, so you can see it. It's right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, if you could be an animal, what would you be and why? An animal and why? Yeah, any animal. Wow, this is interesting. Now I guess <laughs> an animal. Let me see. Okay, I'll I, I'll do this one. I'll be a giraffe. I've never heard that one. Exactly. <laughs> you want to look down on people? <laughs> no, I can look over everybody else and see further ahead Ooh. than anybody else does. See? Oh, I, I just, like that. I just saw. I just. Thought of that one, though. You just <laughs> You're right, though. You could see out yeah. over, like, where you want to go. Where I want to go, ahead of all the other animals. Okay, what has been your, I call them sticky wickets, challenges, the biggest challenge you've had in the last year? And what did you do about it? The biggest challenge is actually becoming more visible uh, in the industry and just for myself. So I was so busy helping other people be visible inside a corporation we decided as an organization that we were going to become more visible ourselves as an organization. So, um, ah, that so makes sense. You, yep. So you kind of take your own medicine, but at a different level, right? So yeah. The therapist seeing the therapist. That's what I call it. That's right. All right. When I say the word universe, what does it mean to you? Universe is actually a part of all of us that we can tap into though wow you you just went deep there on me oh that's right that's my (laughs) other stuff uh we we need a whole new uh uh, a podcast for that one though but (laughs) but but it is though It, it it's really you know it's is a vast place that has so many resources that i don't think we know how to access uh the resource so that's the universe to me i 100 percent agree I, you said it so well. I'm going to use that. I love that Yeah. Word. When you play it back, I might use it myself because I just, you know, you ask <laughs> you me stuff, it just comes it. out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's keep it real, people. I know you're going to agree. Stephen Crumple kept it real. Please share, like, rate. Support us on Patreon. But before we go, Stephen, how can they find you, reach you? Yep, you can find me on stephenkremple.com, of course, or our website, which is winningintheworkworld.com. So if you want to win in the work world, just come to winningintheworkworld.com. Oh, I like that. And where can they get your book? Actually, here's a, here's a good one for your listeners. If you want to download our app, which is W3, you know, W with the letter tree, and, and it's winning in the work world. You just type it there. You can download the 5% zone for free, though. It's, it's a PDF, and you can get it if you get out. And the app is free as well, so. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Stephen, thanks so much. I mean, this has been so much fun. I know you're moving, and you got boxes and painters and everything around you, so Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Let's Keep It Real. Thank you so much, Sandy. It was a pleasure and a blessing to meet you. Yeah, we'll have fun. We'll talk later, too. All right, you know what I'm going to say. Until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. 
Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show, and remember, keep spreading the positive.